The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to the Women's Sanctuary, the podcast about tending the soul of women, sisterhood, and the rise of the sacred feminine. I'm your host, Arlia Hoffman. Welcome everyone to the Women's Sanctuary. A sanctuary is a safe, holy space where we gather. Here we come to hear women's stories of transformation and how they live their purpose in the world. We'll, we also cover topics of soul care and aligned living. And welcome to the sanctuary. Today I have a very special uh, guest, a friend, Anchi Pham of Chi Yoga Wellness. And um, Anchi and I met um, at the Awakening Women's Institute. And I don't know how far back that was. <laughs> Probably like six years ago. I think it was 14, 14 to 16, that something like that. Right. Yeah. 2014. Um, and I remember my first impression was a hearing what you did and going, Ooh, that is so niched. Like, I want to find out why, how you got into doing what you do. Mm. And, and then my next thought was, and I need to figure out how to say her name <laughs> because, because I'm so aware of, of, um, the power of saying someone's name correctly because it's, it impacts my life. And I always feel like I want to honor other people in doing that, the same thing. Um, so let's, uh, let's dive in. Anshi is a certified yoga therapist and yoga instructor. She started yoga in 1999 to heal a fractured L2 vertebrae and realized right away that yoga helps her be happier, calmer, and more present. Her teaching is an embodied blend of both the physical and spiritual aspects, as well as informed by the latest discoveries in the sciences of movement, breathing, nervous system regulation, and healthy aging. Anchi encourages students to foster an attitude of curiosity, playfulness, and inquiry while on their mats. Her style incorporates self-massage, functional movement drills, core awareness, and engagement so that students stay strong and supple. Breath and relaxation practices are skillfully guided so that students can experience more ease in mind, body, and spirit. These are the practices and skills that have helped her to heal from chronic back, neck, and pelvic pain. She is honored to be certified from many top teachers and schools, including Amy Wheeler, Jill Miller, Shelley Prosco, Leslie Howard, Annie Adamson, Hartmath, Kripalu, Loyola Marymount Yoga Therapy, 
and the Krishnamachara, thank you, Yoga Madaram in Chennai, India. And she continues to practice, learn, and grow. Welcome, Anji. Thank you, Arlia, for having me on the podcast. I'm doing well. Um, I'm happy that we have some sun after a few days of rain. And, you know, today is my day where I only have one class. So it's nice to have time to do some self-care. Yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot in the last few days. How do you balance your self-care and your work? Mm. Well, um, I think I try, but I think having having a, a loose routine is helpful. And I say loose because when I try to have a rigid one, it just feels like another to-do list. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, so I'm, I'm flexible, but there are, you know, basic things that I prefer to do before I start my morning and, um, the flexibility is around, you know, how long I do my somatic meditation for, you know, sometimes it's 30 minutes, sometimes it's shorter and sometimes I skip it like this weekend when I was traveling, so Do you mind sharing kind of what your morning looks like? Like what that self-care looks like for you first thing in the morning? Sure. Uh, well, right now, my self-care routine starts out around 5.30 to 6 in terms of waking up. And I always have a, a warm cup of water. I do um, this movement series that I learned from... Uh, a teacher named Uma Dinsmore Tully. Uh, she teaches a style called womb yoga. And so in the morning, I usually do these standing movements to loosen up the spine, uh, loosen up the just the whole the whole midline, as well as connecting my feet to the ground. Like a lot of those womb movements actually really awaken uh, the engagement of the feet. So it's very grounding. And then I also do Donna Eden's uh, daily energy medicine routine. And that takes about five minutes. And, and that sequence with the standing movements of the spine takes about five minutes as well. And then I I have my coffee, which is now decaf. I'm, I'm trying, or half and half. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying I to know that struggle well. <laughs> yes, yes, it just tastes so good. Um, but you know, sometimes I definitely can tell my nervous system is telling me, "Hey, I'd like some Tulsi tea instead." Mm-hmm. And so there is that little uh, inner inner uh, negotiation. <laughs> yeah, the mouth's like, "I really like some espresso." <laughs> And the body's like, no, give me some Tulsi and green tea. Uh, so there's there's a little dance around that. And what's been really helping me uh, after doing all those little, you know, easy ones is sitting down and doing 30 minutes of uh, continuum movement. 
it's um, it's a somatic system that I studied with uh, the teacher back in back in LA, and it's basically just using sound and open attention where you just kind of drop in and just feel your your body, your your energetic body, and then you just follow movements as they arise. And it's a it's been really helpful for me as a way to connect with myself mm-hmm. yeah, and to feel more grounded. So I, I, I love that, that you're, and I've always known that about you and appreciated that about you, that you're, um, you know, as a yoga instructor, your first approach is, is through the body and mm-hmm. um, the embodied practice. And while I work with that, I generally have to bring myself to the body because my first approach comes through the mind or through the spiritual work. And they're like, yeah, and I need to do the body work too. Like that's, that's your, feels like your first, your entry point. Right. Mm -hmm. And for me, my work is about making sure I include the body and do the work through the body. um, Because I'm kind of all up here (laughs) most of the time. Um, and I, I didn't mention that for a while uh, you recently moved to my city and um, we reconnected and we're doing for a while the the women's temple practice yeah. until um, until COVID, which yeah. was really rewarding. I mean, I think you and I bring different approach, approaches and I just loved the complimentary um feeling of of working together in that way so what what brought you to um the temple work at awakening women Hmm. i think one of my friends well definitely one of my friends introduced me to to shamali and women's temple and i'm not sure what the impetus but you know i started becoming more interested in that work and so I immediately bought the manual, the and I read through the manual, and it just sounded so amazing. Although the practices, and so it just it really resonated with me. Uh, and I I think, you know, just reading through the manual, I knew right away that I wanted to do the the teacher's training, and I signed up for the next training that was available that was close. I did the one in Nevada city mm-hmm. um, just really, yeah. Yeah. It, it was similar for me, just this instant recognition that this was something I was aligned with. Yeah. So I'm curious, this is the question I ask and I'll, I'll give you some, some background. How did you get here? Like, that's my big curiosity. <laughs> like here you are now the yoga yeah. instructor with the temple training and the work that you do chart your path at how, in whatever points you feel are important mm-hmm. to, to how you got to doing this work in the world? Well, um, I lived and worked in San Francisco in the late 90s when yoga was everywhere. And back then I was very much in my head. I worked as a as a management consultant initially, and then I think when I started yoga, I was a brand manager at Power Bar Nestle. 
So I finally decided to check out the local yoga class, which was literally a block from my house. And somehow I ended up in not a beginner's class. It was a, a flow class where people were moving from pose to pose. And I was late, of course, and the class was crowded <laughs> and I snuck myself in you know, in the middle of the room. And there must have been at least 30 plus bodies in the room. It was like literally mat to mat. And it's the teacher just, you know, was just calling out poses and people were just moving from pose to pose. And I had no idea what the poses were. And I just kept flopping around trying to mimic <laughs> the movements. And for some reason, I thought it was more embarrassing to run out than to stay and so I stayed for the full 90 minutes wow flopping around lost and there was part of me that really was like I think I could I could do okay if I actually learned how to do the poses anyway so I ran out with my tail between my legs <laughs> thinking you know it's I it, it would be for me if they slowed down and I could learn the poses, but I, there's no way I can learn in that environment. And so I thought yoga is not for me. And, but when I yeah, left, that would be my conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's the conclusion, you know, that we, we tend to make after we try something once, like we we're not aware that there's other types of classes. Um, so as I was, you know, quickly putting on my shoes to run out before anybody else could get out in the lobby, I saw a flyer that the teacher advertised for a class for back care. And unfortunately, about two weeks later, I had a, a freak accident mm -hmm. with a, a tree falling in Golden Gate Park. And I couldn't run away from it in time. So a part of the tree, probably just a small branch, hit me on the head kind of like a nail and hammer action and broke my lumbar uh, mm. spine. Um, so luckily the injury didn't require surgery. I had to wear a brace for what, six weeks and I did PT. And then after that, I remembered the back care classes and that's how I uh, came back to yoga and really loved it and it was such a incredible invitation you know for me because as someone who was very much in their head I was a nerd in high school and very much identified with my thoughts and uh, you know just all of the the westernized way of seeing ourselves in the world. Um, it was really such a salve for me, like just to go to yoga class and check out and not be in my mind and just completely focus on the body. Um, granted back then it was still very, very achievement focused, you know, how do you master this pose and all of that. But just, just having that opportunity to, to learn left from right and, <laughs> Uh, so I, I felt back then that yoga was a vacation, a mini vacation. Mm. And then uh, eventually uh, what happened was I started to 
you know, just to do a lot of self-inquiry. I also started Buddhist meditation and recognized that, that this was my third corporate job. You know, mm-hmm. I, I basically went to the corporate world after, after college and I recognized that it wasn't really the job. Like it was the whole lifestyle that I didn't want to do anymore. And when I was, I think it was like about a year or so after I started yoga and meditation, I had this epiphany that, you know, all my life when I was a child, I really just wanted to be a writer. Mm-hmm. And I never thought that that it was possible because you're an immigrant and, oh, you have to, you know, make money and do that whole immigrant path. And so I had this realization that that was just a construct and I didn't have to do it. So I quit my job and decided to become a writer. And um, after about 10 years of writing, I basically didn't have any more money left. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, it was was a, a wonderful time as an artist on one level, but also just trying to figure out like how do you make it work financially so I was still practicing yoga uh, when I was writing and with my last few thousand dollars in savings I took my money and took a yoga teacher training at Kripalu and that's how I started teaching so and how does does that feel more aligned, more rewarding, or just you know more you than the than the writing? Um, I I love the teaching because it helped me get out of my head, and you know the yoga. Whereas with the writing, it it just became too um, just too much burden with expectation and. Uh, yeah, it was it was all head work, right? With mm-hmm. with the writing, although you know there were practices, obviously moving and all of that helps with creativity as well. Um, yeah, I love what I love about teaching yoga is that it's not just about me. It's about I feel like in any particular class, it's co-created like mm-hmm. the, the classes that I love the best are the ones where you there's this kind of this palpable energy um, between the students and I, and there's like this this co-creation that happens. So that's, you know, with the writing, I guess there is connection with the readers, but it's not live, you know. Right. You, the readers uh, are reading on their own time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Tell me what you, uh, what you teach and... Um, yeah, let's we'll start with that. Yeah, well, I've <laughs> unlike what uh, my you know business mentor coach <laughs> has recommended that I do. I haven't really had a, a focus, but uh, I, I think a lot of what I teach is what I need to learn. So after having the back injury I've had I had a couple of other back injuries and so obviously mm-hmm. back care is something that I had to learn and it's a, a trial and error 
mm-hmm. process in terms of figuring out what works best for, for my body. And so uh, learning the self-massage work with Jill Miller's system was really, really um, empowering. You know, one of the empowering tools uh, because I recognized right away that that was something that can really help me break out of cycles of, of pain. And so self-massage is a big part of what I teach. And then um, I started to learn a lot about pelvic health as well because some of my some of my injuries impacted the, the functioning of the pelvic floor muscles. And there's such a connection, again, with, with the pelvic floor and the spine. So I've taught, uh, one of my favorite programs is uh, a, a women's circle format. It was like a, a six-week program that I taught where we basically learned about the pelvic floor, pelvic health, but there was a combination of yoga poses and women's circle practices. And we also dwelled into creativity and, you know, art. And so uh, I love, I love breaking out of just the traditional weekly yoga classes and Mm -hmm. doing things that are a little bit more creative as well. Yeah. And that's the piece I heard you describe in temple training. Mm -hmm. It was like pelvic floor. How do you, how does, you know, that, I guess that's my innate curiosity going, how does someone get to that work? That sounds really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I want to, I'm taking notes on some of the re- the resources mm-hmm. you're, you're referencing. I'd like to include those in the show notes so people sure, can sure. like check out womb yoga or Joe Miller or yeah the things that may appeal to them. So you talked about the, the injury that got you and your first experience in yoga, were there any other pivotal moments that have really shaped where you are now? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, So around the time where I started doing yoga, I was also feeling, you know, very stuck in my life. Mm -hmm. And um, a friend of mine recommended that I do something called the landmark forum. And, and I resisted, you know, thinking it's a cult, blah, blah, blah. And then I finally just really heard her and recognized that she was just offering a tool for me and, and just telling me, introducing me to something that she thinks that can really help me. And so I just thought, okay, why not just be open to it? And I did the forum and what I, what was so powerful for me about the forum because I was, you know, very much this, again, very in my head, very judgmental, you know, you're typical, like I'm a type A sick quote unquote person in, in the world. And, um, and during the first two days of the forum, you know, people would do the practices, come back and report like all these amazing breakthroughs that they were having with their family and relationships. And the tendency that I always had is obviously to compare myself Mm -hmm. to others and then judge my experience based on how I was ranking myself to others. And the leader, before we took a break, she always asked us, okay, where are you in this experience of the forum? 
Are you up high? Are you, you know, feeling really excited and you're making a lot of breakthroughs? And of course, you know, some people would raise their hands and then she would always ask, and what does it mean? It doesn't mean anything. It don't make it mean anything. And then she would ask, okay, and you know, are you down below? And then some people would raise their hands. And then again, she would say, don't make it mean anything. And I was the person who was always like tepid, like in the middle, like, and so, and then she said, you know, don't make it mean anything. And so it really gave me access. Like no one ever told me that I could just be with my experience without making a story about it. Right. And so throughout those first two days, I just didn't make a story about it. I just was present and did all the exercises and, you know, it was freedom to recognize that I didn't have to judge my experience. And that Saturday night when I was home in my own apartment, I was reading through my journal entries and it was like this aha moment where I recognized that my suffering at that time, you know, it was, I was like 27, single, didn't like my job. Um, and I was really like suffering from all of that. And I recognized that I was just making it mean something, mm. you know, and it, there's nothing wrong with the fact that you're single and there's nothing wrong with the fact that you hate your job. You know, there's nothing wrong with your life. Like you've got a roof over your head. There's nothing wrong with my life. And when I just dropped the burden of all of that thinking, everything in the room around me just became more vibrant and alive. Mm. Uh, it felt like I took a hit of, you know, ecstasy, which I hadn't yet. <laughs> <laughs> but it felt like I, you know, it felt like a drug and everything just vibrated and became more alive. And I experienced that kind of state of just openness. I don't know how you would describe it for, you know, a couple of weeks where it was just like, everything was just a beautiful flow and, my heart felt open and I just felt really connected to the, the vibrancy of, of life within everything. And that was how I became interested in meditation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the traditional yoga path, obviously actually in, in the traditional uh, path, yoga is about the mind. Yoga meditation is a big part of yoga. But um, when I started meditating, I went to the Zen center and I, you know, so most of my meditation um, training is started in the, the Buddhist path, but that has really informed, um, you know, just how I teach, what I teach as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's so beautiful. And I see the, I see the, the connection with the the work we do in temple which is about presence about mm -hmm. dropping the story mm -hmm. which was I, I was aware of but that really brought it home and embodied it for me mm -hmm. to be able to come become present in the body and let go of the mind and and recognize stories for what they are i think is beautiful that's it's it is 
in one way, it, it is the essence of presence. Mm. Is to is to really be not there, but but in the body and just aware and open, as you said, this openness to what is and what is what you're experiencing, and yeah. not judging it. That's yeah. ex- extraordinarily powerful and important. Um, I, I, I guess it can be done without the body. I don't know how you do it without the body. <laughs> without the mm. body awareness, I think that's essential as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, when you when you, you you mentioned when you were first in the landmark experience, you were doing a lot of comparison, mm-hmm. um, and I had a deeper level of that epiphany lately about how to step out of comparison Mm. did you find that that was that kind of dropping into the presence and openness allowed you to let go of comparison do you you want to speak to that about how you experience that if you and how you deal with that if it comes up Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just what the mind does. Mm-hmm. It's always comparing. And um, yeah, so for me, just recognizing that I didn't have to believe, you know, those automatic tendencies um, are huge. And it's still something, you know, that, that I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, like for me, another place where that energy of comparison comes up really strongly is when I'm within groups of women. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I just never, yeah, I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole background with that, but I, I recognize like that would come up really strongly whenever I did like any kind of yoga training because there's just most, it's mostly women. Yeah. And and I, I think just that practice of just being present to notice when your insecurities are on and then just giving that space and recognizing that it might be this deep pattern where somehow women are are taught to distrust each other. Yeah. Um, so I think recognizing that it's not like a personal failing, you know, when when that comparison mind happens um, and just really leaning into the, the vulnerability of that and, and, and really, um, yeah, I think recognizing when, when we feel in a way unsafe and, and being tender with that part of ourselves and just Mm -hmm. giving that, that part of ourselves, um, our awareness and our attention. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you mentioned feeling unsafe. I, w- I would imagine that that is really the seed of both comparison and competition, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is something we work, we work with in temple to release those notions and, and create a safe container where we recognize that, you know, the, the woman before us is a complete and whole being and, um, there is no competition among women. I mean, you can create it, but there's no need for it. And, and to create a safe container where we can trust each other and let go of, like I, I see all of those as interwoven, 
right? The safety and the comparison and the, the competition, it's, um, I guess it's perpetual. It's a perpetual awareness to yeah. dismantle that. Uh, yeah. I know for me re- recently I was um, struggling a bit with, with how I do my work in the world mm-hmm. and my sense of my imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And I realized I was still just constantly comparing myself to others and looking outside myself for guidance. Yeah. I hear you. And this is, <laughs> that's where I get caught is I just get caught with quote unquote work and going into comparison mode and judging and yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, um, don't know why that pattern is so strong i think i think part of it is just a way of perpetuating a a small sense of self you Mm -hmm. know the 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 ego construct that's just how it continues itself and so that's that's a great observation yeah i mean i was gonna say it's the water we're swimming in but it is also that's how the ego keeps its keep keeps its power right you know, keeping us small and yeah just keep itself going it's uh-huh. like oh let's let's compare and then because yeah, then you create a a boundary to self uh you know versus one that is boundaryless so oh i love that yeah i've i've often used the metaphor of um we live in a castle, mm. but the ego wants to lock us in a in a dark broom closet, right? <laughs> yeah, this very yeah. small dark room, and this is the like, these are the confines of our life, and yeah. um, that's what it feels safe with. Yeah, right. Yeah. I also recently had this experience of um, in a in a meditation journey of actually experiencing boundarylessness formlessness Mm -hmm. and i think that um if you can in some way touch that it just reminds you that the ego's in a broom closet (laughs) (laughs) you know it definitely serves us yeah i don't think we're going to get rid of it (laughs) i don't yeah i i mean supposedly for some people that part doesn't run anymore because they don't give it energy um, but yeah. So what are you doing these days? What, what is your, your teaching look like? Well, um, right now I am currently teaching over at Emory wellness center and we are shut down. So I'm teaching zoom classes for them. And most of the students, uh, at the, Emory Wellness Center are older. So a lot of the focus is on, you know, healthy aging, balance, how to keep strength and stability. Um, And then I also teach a couple of classes at a smaller studio called Decatur Healing Arts. But I, what's, and then I teach restorative yoga as a community based, uh, donation based class Mm -hmm. on. Uh, on Sundays, 
which is on hiatus for the summer, but I will restart it. And what I'm feeling called with that restorative class is uh, to combine temple work um, with restorative because I think that quality of uh, deep listening, mindful speaking, and, and connection is so needed mm-hmm. during this time. So I'm going to introduce, you know, some temple work to, to my restorative students. Um, and is that local or is that online? It's going to be online. Uh, it's, you know, most of the students that take that restorative class are my California students. So that's one way that I, I stay in contact with them. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be, you know, available to, to my email list. And then depending on what's going on with the COVID situation, my plan is to have it as a series over a decade of healing arts. But that, will, that class will be more movement-based. It won't be restorative yoga. It'll be more of a, a flow style, like more active style. That sounds beautiful. So yeah. if someone wanted to um, attend your restorative, mm-hmm. oh, do you have a name for that class yet? Just- I'm calling it the Rooted Heart Ooh. Yoga and Community for Chaotic Times. Wow. Yeah. That sounds beautiful. So if someone wanted to participate in that, mm-hmm. could they do that? And how would they do that? Well, the best way probably to reach me currently is through my Instagram account. Um, it's just Chi Yoga Wellness. So they can you know, direct message me through there. And I can add their email to the mailing list and I can send out the, the links. I, I'll, I send out all the information about my classes through mm-hmm. my emails. Got it. Yeah. And we'll, we'll link that in the show notes so people can, can find you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, your energy comes across as, you know, so grounded, so peaceful and present that, um, that your classes just radiate that and they're very, they're healing. Thanks, Arlia. I feel like, again, we teach what we need to, to learn and it's definitely doesn't come naturally for me as well Mm. to, you know, to really, go into the body and I think the the journey that I've had with with chronic pain ironically it's it's a calling right when we have pain the tendency is to pull away from the body Mm -hmm. and actually the the only way out is in And, and I think during this time when there's so much uncertainty and chaos it's very beguiling you know to to just go further and further into the ethers and become more and more disconnected and lost within our conspiracy theories and our stories and it's it's really vital to just keep it simple absolutely Um, i completely agree so what's been your favorite or most used coping mechanism in the last 18 months what has really helped you stay grounded through this process Mm. I think just all 
there's so many different practices that I do, but uh, I'm very aware of what I need at the time. Mm -hmm. So uh, one point when I was feeling a lot of fear, anxiety, I would do laughter yoga. Um, you know, so it's just just lots of different ways to 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 shift the nervous system. Okay, so I have to ask, what does laughter yoga? You just laugh. <laughs> okay. There's a, there's actually a, a medical doctor in India that started it, and so you do you can attend classes where the facilitator will guide you into laughing. But I, you know, I'll just make sure no one's around and I will just literally like move and shake and scream and laugh and um, do that for about five minutes. And it really helps to release the, the crazies, as I call it. That's and awesome. also just kind of shift your hormones, right? Because mm -hmm. when we laughed, it all the feel good, the endorphins and... Um, yeah. So yeah, my I, when my when my partner thinks I uh need to shift my energy, he shows me funny cat videos. Like, Here, you need to <laughs> yeah. laugh. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it works. It totally yes. works. Yes. <laughs> no, laughter is incredibly incredibly powerful. So, yeah. Well, Angie, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a really lovely conversation and I hope I hope people can feel that and, and feel your energy and, um, you know, if they feel called, you know, hop onto your, your new class. Um, mm. And I, I wish you just all the best and, um, and a lot of peace and groundedness navigating this period in our hum common human experience. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation, Arlia. It was a lot of fun, and I'm honored to, to be featured as one of your guests. And it's great to see you and see to connect you with you again. Yeah, I don't think we've yeah. been together in a, gosh, year and a half or more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, Except I for the time we, we met for behind the yoga paper. studio for me to give you toilet paper. <laughs> Because I said, oh. what do you need? And you said, well, actually, I was like, I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> well, thank you, Anshi, for joining us. Um, join us next time to hear more women sharing their stories. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review on your favorite podcast provider. It helps people find us and helps our guests. I'm Arlia Hoffman, and this has been the Women's Sanctuary. For myself and Anshi, thank you for being here, and we'll see you next time here on the Women's Sanctuary. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. 
On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.